And three, two, one. Now let me tell you the days of high adventure. Can we move, can we move on from the scene? We can move on from the scene. <laughs> I think I would like to see Ang Lee do Conan, King Conan. You gotta get some more gin, or you? Yeah, yeah, I do. Okay. After, after that scene, I'm gonna need, I'm gonna need okay. to <laughs> I'll be back. Hello, this is Max and Jason Watch a Movie. I'm Jason. And I'm Max. And this week we will be tackling the sequel to Conan the Barbarian, Conan the Destroyer, directed by Richard Fleischer, with a story credit by Roy Thomas and Jerry Conway. But it stars Arnold Schwarzenegger's Conan, Grace Jones as Zula, Olivia de Abo as Princess Jenna, Wilt Chamberlain as Bombata, Mako as Akira the Wizard, Tracy Walter as Malik, Sarah Douglas, Queen Teramis, Ter uh, Pat Roach, Manape, and Thoth Amon, I think is the wizard's name. Jeffrey Corey as the Grand Vizier. Sven Ol Thorson as Torga. That's not a name that really ever matters. But I want to add one more. Andre the Giant as yes. Dagoth. Uncredited. Yes. But now the record can fully be told. I want to highlight something really quickly. We talked a little bit in the last podcast about the importance of Marvel Comics to sort of the conception of Conan here. Mm -hmm. Jerry, uh, Roy Thomas and Jerry Conway are Marvel luminaries. They are some of the most important people at Marvel, in Marvel history. Roy Thomas was basically uh, the right-hand man. He was he was Stan Lee's beast man for many years. He wrote Avengers. He wrote X-Men. So Stan Lee and Jack Kirby would often start books, but Roy Thomas would actually come on sometimes and just take over runs for a long time. I mean, he wrote a lot of the early X-Men, wrote a lot of early Avengers, was one of the longest-running writers of the Marvel Comics Conan. Okay. Jerry Conway was a, was a, was a was a workhorse at Marvel as well, but both of these guys are responsible for the script for the, for the story of of this yeah, film, the, Conan the Destroyer. The name you were looking for for the shooting script was, was Stanley Mann, who, by the way, wrote Damien Omen Two, a, a masterpiece of horror cinema. Yes. And so I'll, 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 I'll have some sarcasm chimes, audience. For that. <laughs> Now, the Conway and Thomas script had been intended to be in the same kind of tone as Conan. Mm -hmm. They wrote an R-rated script. Yeah. When Universal came on board, they sort of pull a Warner Brothers here. Conan was an incredibly popular movie, but because it was R-rated, it meant that not as many people could see it. So there was a decision made by Universal to tone the, the script down and add some funny elements to it as well. And so the, the Conway and Thomas script isn't, the story isn't what we got. Now, I, I, I did not know that part of it. Uh, I definitely can see that because I can see in this movie, Conan the Destroyer, a lot of lines that that do remind me of the previous film yes i want to kind of just say this and then we'll kind of discuss if it's true as we move along the toning down does not bother me no nope, no nope. the, the humor does okay okay yeah and then we can kind of talk about what works and what doesn't as we yeah. go along uh because I, I i can see where the tone of this movie is, is is at times not always but at times jarringly different no that's absolutely fair that's absolutely fair thomas and conway were so annoyed by the changes made that they basically rewrote uh, they, they, they represented this as a Marvel graphic novel they changed a lot of the names also trivia note before we even move on Grace Jones ended up in this movie almost by accident because the casting director thought that the name they used Th Thomas and Conway was a woman's name but they had originally intended for it to be a man okay 
that was how it was, it was that was written but they thought it was a woman because of the 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 a at the end of the name zula i guess it's a feminine marker in some african languages okay and so they hired grace jones and then at that point there was no way to go back and nobody really wanted to grace jones is certainly a striking physical presence in the film but anyway they just uh, they all they thought that was kind of funny but it works it works in the film mm. So I, so I have a question for you. Uh, have you read the graphic novel that they did? No, I'm trying to track it down right now. I'm, I'm going to put a, a, a question into my comic book shop owner because there's a copy of it on Amazon, but it's $84 and it's from, it's not a reprint. It's it's the, it's it's hard to find. And there's no digital copy of it right now that I can find either. And so, right. and sadly, my, my the, the, the big volume of Conan stories that I have, it's just early seventies. So I don't, I don't, I don't have it right now, but I'll keep looking for it. They changed a lot of the names. So that Universal wouldn't get mad at them, but it's the story. It's the story they wanted. Listeners, we usually don't talk about these movies until the the podcast starts. Kind of violated that today, and and we did talk a little bit about it. And so, just to kind of let everybody in on what we talked about earlier, Conan the Destroyer, I had never seen, and one of the reasons why I had never seen it is because everything that I had ever heard from me, I, again, Max, I I don't remember what your opinion was. I don't remember ever getting that from you when we were younger. But everything that I ever read about it was that it was really awful, damn nigh unwatchable. Mm-hmm. And so I, I always stayed away from it. And I was, so I was, I was kind of really, really curious what I would think of it. What, you know, coming into this for the first time, having an idea of Conan the Barbarian, having seen it years ago, then having just rewatched it and really loved it even more. Mm-hmm. I was wondering, I was really curious to see how I would react to this movie. And I think that there is uh, a, a lot to, to discuss about it, but I guess before we go any further, I'm curious, I, I know you've seen it a lot yeah what you thought of it then i i think i actually saw this film first really i think okay. so i think so because this came out in 84 i think mm-hmm. it would have still been pretty questionable that my parents would have let me see an r-rated movie at the theater especially you know what i mean but i did see this at, at the theater. i loved it I, I thought it was a lot of fun and i've continued to think that you know for the most part ever since but no i liked it quite a lot now for all the complaints it did better than the first conan well the box which office. might mean which might mean you Universal was right. Yeah, I mean, it might. Right. It might mean that. Yeah. Now, nobody on the set of the film. Well, the cast didn't think this. The, the screenwriters, did, uh, the the story writers, didn't think this. But Fleischer thought it, and Universal thought it. Not many other people on the cast thought it. Arnold Schwarzenegger certainly didn't. He was. He was. He argued, I guess, a lot about the tone and the changes that were being made. I. I. I think I. In terms of tone, I. I, I agree with Arnold, but but not about everything. Now, just uh, production notes of my own. Richard Fleischer directed this film. Richard Fleischer was an old time Hollywood director. He was an odd choice. I think I think Richard Fleischer was a very odd choice for this. Now, one of the things that I did find in my research on Conan the Barbarian is that John Milius, who was not available for this for this film, John Milius was inspired by the film The Vikings from the late fifties, directed by directed by Richard Fleischer. Yes, but the reason that Fleischer got this job was not because of that. It was because uh, Dino De Laurentiis had worked with him before that he had worked on well one movie that I that I have seen Barabbas okay uh, which was which was a sword and sandal uh, epic uh, about the guy in the Bible who who was selected to live instead of Jesus and what happened to him it's a fictional story about what yeah, happened yeah. to him after that it's Anthony Quinn I saw it when I was a kid and Fleischer directed that so it, it, it's as simple as the fact that De Laurentiis had worked with Fleischer before gotcha is there is the reason he was brought in so, so we've got a new director obviously they went through some some rewrites with this movie to tone down 
into the R-rated stuff. So that's the production notes that I have. And well, you've... yeah, I mean, in yeah. some of the, I mean, it's hard to know when the decision was finally made because it wasn't quite in stone, I don't think, even while they were shooting because there was a seduction sex scene shot with Arnold Schwarzenegger and Sarah Douglas, who plays, I think, Queen Tamaris, and they cut it. Okay. It doesn't make it into the film. So it seems like this was something that was kind of evolving as the film was ongoing. And we'll, we'll be discussing whether or not that was a, a wise decision. Now, Fleischer also directed 20,000 Leagues Under the Sea. Yeah. He directed Soylent Green, but none yeah. of its sequels, I guess, if there were sequels, I don't know. But uh, he's a capable director. But the, the thing that I keep coming back to when I think about this movie is that it's very workmanlike. It's not, like, I think there are some, some in Conan the Barbarian, there's some real moments of inspiration. Yeah. This is this is a professional job, I think. Yes. Conan the Destroyer, but it's not inspired ever. Right. I, I, I actually think that um, this is the sequel to kind of a cutting edge, big budget 80s film that is made by a director who's kind of used to making an action movie from 1958, where there, you know, a, a film back then would be a, a little bit more gentle, maybe a little bit more cuddly, maybe have some more comedy beats in it. Yep. Uh, so certainly wouldn't have any nudity. And I think, and I, I, I want to echo that. I think, you know, there's no evidence in this movie that Richard Fleischer is a bad director at all. Like no. there's, there's nothing. But th there are a lot of decisions made in the direction of this film that are questionable that, that, that I don't think work well for 1980s cinema and, and I and I know that it'll just they'll all come up as we move along yeah so I, I think that that's right but it, this you talked in the last podcast Jason talked about like a lot of the big ideas in Conan and the Barbarian this film is like I said it's very workmanlike it's very professional it's it's an adventure film and it seems to be more about moving the plot along there's no big ideas really and I, I'm not I'm not I'm not sure that that's a criticism on the heels of something like Conan the Barbarian, it, it can't help but be a criticism. But like, if it had just on its on its face, I, I I wouldn't have been bothered by that so much. Just as a decision to have like a kind of an adventure story that just gets the characters from point A to point B, and if it does that in a fun way, I'm happy. But this film it doesn't ever seem to rise above that kind of storytelling. Well, so the question is, is that okay? I'll put my cards down on the table a little bit because actually I I'm kind of this way and that about this movie. I, I like I have a lot of things nice to say about this movie that I don't think other people did say but there's also plenty about it that I didn't like you know so, so you know I'm not kind of spoiling the verdict because you're really going to have to listen to the whole thing to kind of really get an idea for where I'm coming from about this movie but um, a recent episode that we did when when you and I reviewed Godzilla versus Kong and you remember the scenes that were uh, in the the kind of lost world in the uh, in, in in Earth's core and, and, and yes. the, the hollow earth and all this kind of thing and how I had pointed out to you that at that point the movie kind of had me because I kind of felt like I was watching an old Sinbad movie which which I liked you know I, I liked those movies I like Clash of the Titans the original one yeah, yeah. you know I, I I like you know those kind of movies that give us that kind of uh, you know kind of adventure of the imagination this movie does that yeah. to me this movie does that there's a lot about it that I really like even as a sequel yeah like, like even in comparison with the first film it look folks spoiler it's not as good as the first movie yeah. but I think everybody knows that everybody just kind of assumes that when they watch this movie I don't think that it even fails as a sequel though I really don't I don't and I thought that and I thought that it would no, I don't think that I don't think that it fails as a sequel but I think it it doesn't outperform what your expectations were of a sequel especially in 1980s cinema like yeah. whenever you would see a sequel in the 80s it was oh so 
so rare that it was even as good as the first one. That's true. But but see, again, that's okay. Yeah, yeah. I mean, we had mentioned Indiana Jones and the Temple of Doom had come up in our last podcast. And yeah. folks, I love that movie. It, it, it's always been, I think, the best Indiana Jones sequel. No one else ever seemed to think that, but my opinion, it's not as good as Raiders of the Lost Ark, but it didn't have to be. Yeah. And so I, I almost want to kind of kind of front load my perspective on this movie a little bit by saying that this movie was almost an Indiana Jones and the Temple of Doom in that it, it succeeds dramatically in many areas. It does not surpass the original. I, I don't even want it to surpass the original. Yeah, yeah. That's that's fine. This movie did not have to do that and it doesn't do it. It's really just other things about Co other things about Conan the Destroyer that actually are questionable. And it's not for it's not necessarily toning down the sex and violence on me. No, I no. think I, I mean from what you've said about Roy Thomas and Jerry Conway and their original look, I'm very interested in that because I can see that. Like there is definitely a, a, a very creative and imaginative story that this that this movie held. And I could see where it could be it could be told in a more um kind of um uh, dark way in which you know the characters are a little bit more a little less cartoon like I, I, I could see that but but this movie works fine it, it, it's it's other things that this movie does and, and, I, and I think like. we get to that almost from the from the get-go one of the things one of the things that the the the, the writers Conway and and Thomas thought about was 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 one of the same things that Schwarzenegger complained about and that was some of the humor in this movie did it was it out of place does it work and it rarely it, it rarely works in this movie and, and we kind of get a little of that in this first scene we get some of the bad humor juxtaposed with some pretty efficient filmmaking there's some new cinematography techniques that they use as the as Conan we, we see Conan praying at, at an altar it might be where the wizard used to live I don't know we find out that the wizard has moved on but he's praying for Valeria I'm guessing but at the same time we've got some new guys riding to, to, to find Conan but I liked a lot of the cinematography of the of the riders as they're riding to Conan thought that some of these shots were really dramatic at the same time we also have the new sidekick who is a comedy sidekick versus Subutai who is who is more of a partner now he and Conan might have Subutai and Conan might have said some funny things or things that would make you grin in the last movie but it was generally character driven and situation driven stuff not not stuff that was trying to be comedy necessarily right. but that would play as a as a smile inducing moment but Malik uh, Malik is a comedy character that is not a well written comedy character and, no. I, and I don't remember what silly things he says in here I don't mind the character of Malik when he's not trying to be funny but sadly he's often trying to be funny <laughs> Yeah, and actually, just real quick to just kind of make this statement. I don't mind that he has a new sidekick because because actually that part of it is kind of neat because, you know, Conan, Conan's always moving. He's always experiencing. Yeah, he's lingering here for a second and he's he's praying or something uh, about Valeria. It, we discover later he, he he's he's still kind of hung up on Valeria. And and that's good because because uh, that fits. She She's um, the love of his life, as you as you said in the past in the last podcast. Climbed but the fact out that, of the pits of hell to save him. Yeah, exactly, exactly. So I actually think that the fact that Conan would make new friends because, because you know, he's going and he's doing other things and getting in adventures. And we can almost imagine that, you know, in between the two movies, there's kind of a TV series that none of us have ever seen. Yes, you yes. Know, where he, you know, where he's had all these little adventures. And that's good. I, I, I like that. I don't like the character of Malik. Tracy Walter um, has been in a lot of things. Fine actor. Not, I, I, I could have done without him yeah. uh, through the whole thing, actually. Yeah. But, 
But here he starts trying to say some funny things as Conan and he are surrounded by these black riders. The good thing about the Hyborian age is that the, the villains always wear black, apparently. It's a dead giveaway. <laughs> Not sure. They almost looked like they were like people who had worked for Thulsa Doom, but had just moved on to the next villain of the Hyborian Age. But they're trying to figure out what they're being bothered for. And this is where Malik is doing some of his fine comedy work. He's hiding under the altar as Conan does all the fighting. And the fighting stuff is okay, but it, it does seem, it doesn't seem as organic. Uh, as step down, yeah. This scene especially is a bit of a step down. And the whole thing I kept thinking of, and again, this isn't necessarily a criticism, I kept thinking TV movie as I was watching this film. And like I said, there are plenty of fine TV movies, and this would have been one of them had it been on the TV. But there is a certain element of downgraded production, downgraded everything. Often but not we- always. And so always. there will be times later on where I'll push back against that pretty dramatically. Oh, absolutely, absolutely. But in this scene, it, it definitely feels a lot like the small... The smallness of the screen of a, uh, the, the small framing the uh, abbreviated action of the small screen i guess is what i want to say <laughs> abbreviated action and and relying on comedy to yes. make the scene work the yes. comedy that isn't funny <laughs> no no they've they've just they've just stolen a bunch of stuff from somebody and i think maybe that guy sent the this horde to collect their stuff and kill them uh, the only thing that i kind of liked about this was when uh because there's there's this naivety that, that comes with conan that i think kind of works in this scene but like when malik is like why aren't they trying to kill us and then Conan says maybe they want to capture us and torture us to death matter of fact yeah. which I think that's how, that's how Conan might, might say it and then Malik is quite frightened by that and that could have been a decent comedy moment in a real Conan film well not a real in a different film uh, yeah. I do think that this is a real Conan film but I do have a lot to say about it but then he starts Malik starts swallowing the jewelry and I'm like it's supposed to be funny because he, he does a he does a big exaggerated gulping of this giant diamond and just like ugh they anyway. use this they, they use this gag several times it never works no it, it never works it, and not 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 ever not ever it probably works for me in 84 when i was a kid but okay. that's who it was aimed at and so conan beats a lot of these people up and like two people wilt chamberlain a person in a very strange helmet call off the fight and basically this is just a it seems like a recruiting test pretty hard on the testers <laughs> yeah because conan i mean conan doesn't use the flat side of his blade to stop these guys from taking him prisoner and one one of the things that Malik does that I do kind of find uh, sort of interesting, he does like to stab people in the kidneys from behind a lot. He, he he's a guy who knows his strengths. Well, and, and he does it effectively. Like, yeah. You know, so you do get the sense that he's he's been at this for a while. Yeah. You know, I mean, Conan's learned how to, you know, how Malik fits into his, you know, way of doing things. Yeah. They have a history together. I, I mean, that was fine. I don't know. I mean, I guess we kind of get the sense that maybe Conan and Malik, that, that they're friends, but, but Malik hasn't been with Conan for very long yes you know you know maybe he hasn't had a a, a major adventure like this yet yes but, yeah. but you know they've had some tussles yes unlike subatai who's a decent thief but an equal an, e- an equally good warrior mm-hmm. uh, this companion of conan's is just a really good thief <laughs> That's what, yeah. that's what you're supposed to I think you're supposed to get a and good at stabbing people from behind and, 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 and a loyal friend unless there's an opportunity for bad comic relief yeah, this is true this is true this is true yeah and then and then he has to pretend that you know I'll stay behind none of that works um, just... so the person with the funny helmet comes up and and wants to offer Conan a job and she she claims that she needs him to take a person to get some MacGuffins sidebar 
I use the word MacGuffin a lot, so I kind of want to drop a definition. I'm sure a lot of you guys already know what it is, but this is from Wikipedia. In fiction, a MacGuffin sometimes, MacGuffin, is an object, device, or event that is necessary to the plot and the motivation of the characters, but insignificant, unimportant, or irrelevant in itself. I'm not sure if the, the, the things that Conan and his compatriots are going to chase are actual, according to Hoyle, MacGuffins. Hit me up a, at the supper test on Twitter and let me know what you think. So into the sidebar. And in return for this, she'll give him his heart's desire. And she has to use some magic, I think, to divine some of this. But she figures out that he's praying for or to or about his lost Valeria. Because she appears shimmering on the altar. And now, this is cool, actually. Yeah. Because um, when I've been watching this movie up to this point, I was kind of like, okay, this is this is kind of, this is, this, I mean, this is not funny, even boring. And But, but, but actually, uh, the story as laid out is actually pretty intriguing. Uh, Sarah Douglas plays... Queen Taramis. Sarah Douglas has uh, already made uh, appearances in Max and Jason Watch a Movie as in Superman and Superman 2 as Ursa. And, and Sarah Douglas is is very good in these kinds of roles. You know, she she um, this kind of confident wickedness. Uh, and in, and then in, in this case, like, I actually, I like how this plays out because, you know, Conan says, you know, there's nothing you have that I could want or whatever he says. Yeah. And, and, and we believe him. Conan has learned that, especially now that Valeria is gone. He doesn't trust anybody. Whatever he wants, he's going to go out and get it yeah. because he's capable of doing so. He knows there's nothing, that there's no reason to trust this this queen and that you know, anything that she could give him, he could get for himself if he really, really, really wanted it. He doesn't even respect her royalty because he, she's like, do you know who I am? And he's like, Tamaris? Is that her name? I can't remember. Yeah. And, and she's like, Queen Tamaris. And he's like, not my queen. Mm -hmm. Now, so all of that, all, all of that still, still very much the character development from the first movie. And that part and, of the scene works. That part of the scene works. Oh, it works. It works great. And then when she makes, um, you know, when I cut you off, you were about to describe the, that, that there's kind of this image, uh, Valeria, which I don't know, is that taken from the original movie and kind of projected onto? Uh, yeah, I don't know. I don't know. Um, I mean, I mean, I'm sure they didn't bring the original actress back just to lay on a on a slab. But that's kind of neat though, because we know Conan, and we know that. Yeah, what are you going to give Conan? Yeah, <laughs> and then and. And then when that happens, there's kind of this, oh shit, that, that's going to get through to him. Yes, and it and, does. And it, and it does. And and this is really good. This is the first scene of many where the movie really gave me something that I didn't expect it to give me that I really thought was cool. And the other thing too that the film does in these early scenes with Sarah Douglas and Conan is we get the sense that she's using some almost supposed to doom like hypno magic on him because he seems to, he seems to kind of, his affect changes a little bit when she's talking to him. Him, when she promises with him, it seems like she's softening him. She softens. She's softening some of his alarms, his internal yeah. instinct yeah. about her. Because you know, once once Valeria is on the table, he seems to be like, "Oh yeah, I'll do this. We'll, we'll definitely go get this. We'll get her for you." Uh, he's really enthusiastic about the mission, but there are those moments where it seems like she's she's manipulating him with magic as well as with the promise. You know, right, right. And she lays out the the obstacles. This is the film does a pretty good job of this too, kind of helping the viewer know where we're going to go with our hero you know you've got to get you got to help jenna. jenna princess jenna you've got to get jenna to a stone guarded by a wizard yep. and conan immediately is like well, what 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 good what good is my sword going to do against a wizard and he'll figure it out though she, she says you'll have to figure it out and, and that's something conan can do this is all very nice about 
building up kind of what our adventure is going to be with Conan. Yeah, yeah. And we get a nice little introduction to Jenna, who has an, has a kind of a, a bad outburst, a uh, nightmare of some kind, right after Tamaris lays out what she wants Conan to do. And that's where we meet Jenna. Sadly, Jenna won uh, two golden raspberries for this year, which I thought was yeah. unfair. I, I think she's fine. Yeah. She, she won a golden raspberry for um, this film and some other film, her first film that is some kind of like European erotica piece, I guess, that she was in. I thought that was, I, she's not bad in this movie. No, I mean, I mean, actually, I mean, except for the comedy scenes yeah. or, I mean, even moments of unintentional comedy, everyone's good. I, I, I really don't like Tracy Walter now. I never really like his character, but really everyone else, I mean, even the scene that you're talking about where she wakes up from the, from the nightmare. I, I, I had a, a, a near cringe moment when the greatest basketball player in his own mind of all time, Will Chamberlain comes to comfort her and, and, and he's not very good at doing that. And I, I, I had a fear of, Oh my God, is, uh, is Wilt the Stilt going to really, really embarrass himself throughout this movie? But you know, he, he's very lucky that except for that little moment, that's not hardly anything. Yeah. This movie doesn't really ask Wilt Chamberlain to do anything that's really outside of his comfort zone or anything that he's that he wouldn't be good at. Yeah, and I think he he ends up being good as well. Oh, I think so too. I mean, like that's exactly right. Like the film doesn't ask anything of the actors that they can't really do, and yeah. you could even read some of that that clumsiness and comforting her as a decent bit of storytelling in light of the end of the movie. Mm. And that and that yeah, that's a very good point. And so no, he. He's a little wooden, stilty. We might yeah. we might say yeah. at some at some times, <laughs> but <laughs> the character as well, though. So it, it, is, it, it works. Is. It is. He and and Tamaris Comforter, and then the adventure's pretty much off and running. They leave the castle, and we get some character building moments where we see uh, Jenna is is sort of as naive as Conan was in the first movie. She's yes, been very yes. sheltered. She thinks she's being raised to be a queen in her own right and help. She's on a quest to I imagine in her mind strengthen the kingdom by awakening a god the dreaming god Dagoth so she's that's that's her mission and she's gung-ho for it but she's she's naive in the ways of the world she's even having trouble figuring out if she thinks Conan is handsome right yeah, yeah, and she yeah. has a she has a, a a conversation this works for me the this little conversation between she and Wilt Chamberlain Bombata and she's asking him if she's ha- if he's handsome not Bombata if she'd asked that Wilt Chamberlain would have said oh of course I'm handsome <laughs> Yeah, Yeah, she would have been added to the to to the fifteen thousand women that he claims he slept with. That's right. That's right. Fifteen thousand and (laughs) one. Now it's funny. There was a moment uh, I was reading some of the trivia for uh, IMDb. Audience: Will Chamberlain rather famously made the unrealistic uh, claim of, of having slept with 20,000 women. Uh, oh, I was lowballing, man. Yeah, and some somebody at the trivia section of IMDb thought it was ironic that the, one of the chief things that Bombada has to do is see that she gets through the quest, but but he also has to make sure that she doesn't lose her virginity on the trip, because this is something that the film does that I thought was kind of interesting and I didn't know if I liked it. We in the audience get the whole game right yeah. in the opening scene, so that after is true, yeah. after, after, after the nightmare scene with uh, Jenna, Tamaris causes Jenna to pass out and go into a little trance, and then she just lays out everything. So I'll lay it out too, audience. They need Jenna to go get the stone so that then they can find out where the horn of Dagoth is, the, 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 and they're going to place that horn
Capricorn in this statue of this god, the dreaming god. And at that moment, Jenna has to be sacrificed. And we learn all of this right in this opening scene. And we learn yeah. too. Tamara says to to Bombada the stilt, she says, she says, when when Jenna has that horn, I want your sword in Conan's heart. And Bombada says, I don't carry a sword. And she says, You know what I fucking mean? No, she, that doesn't happen. <laughs> That doesn't happen. A bombada carries, by the way, one of the most intimidating looking weapons I've seen in, in films. It's like this mace with a bunch of spikes and like this bird's beak blade. Oh, it looks grisly. It looks like yeah, it would yeah. do a lot of damage. It would help somebody rebound a lot and shoot free throws. And <laughs> anyway, there's going to be never helped in... him though. No, no. <laughs> so we know he's a bad guy. And what did you think of that reveal? You know, um, I I didn't I had no problem with it until you just mentioned it. I, I I actually now that you now that you point that out, this movie might have benefited a lot from withholding that. Where just like in the previous film, where things are kind of played out to us with Conan. Instead, unlike the first film, we're way ahead of Conan. And I guess now that you mention it, although it it didn't really hurt the film for me, other things did, but it probably would have made the film a lot stronger if we, at bare minimum, didn't know that Bombata was already was in on it with the Queen. Yeah, and that might have been a reveal later. Um, but um, I don't know. I it, 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 it did. I, I agree with what you're saying. I didn't. I didn't notice it, and it didn't hurt the film for me. I, no, I, I don't think that it necessarily hurts the film. I just think it was a unique choice. It feels like something that would happen in a television plot. You've got to get things wrapped up in an hour. Yeah, you know? and it just. It, I don't know. It's not. Yeah. Yeah, 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 yeah. It's not lazy necessarily, but but it is. It was an interesting choice because, like, a modern movie would have had Bombada in the dark and would have had a, a actor capable of navigating. Would have had him actually genuinely caring for Jenna. Would have actually had him sort of become embedded in this group, and then there yeah. would have been there would have been a lot more conflict for that for the actor to navigate when he has to betray the group. Right? Yeah. I, I think that something like that would have happened. Would have been a big surprise to the audience too. And so so by doing that though. Like I said, it well not like I said, like I'm about to say, it denies the audience a fun surprise later on. Yeah, yeah. Which so so and that goes back to my point about like this movie is about getting everybody from point A to point B and yeah. doing, doing it professionally, but not with a lot of imagination or artfulness. That's that 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 is really well said. That is oh, really thanks. well said. And, yeah, and, and and I and I I really didn't notice that. Yeah, but that's very true. Well, I mean, I've been watching this movie since 1984, and this was the first time I thought it's a weird choice you know yeah, I, I hadn't thought yeah. about it before ever and but uh, one of the things that's kind of fun about this podcast is watching these films critically for almost the first time you know like we jason and i've been talking yeah. about movies for years and sometimes our conversations are purely as fans we don't often talk about all the flaws of the film we talk uh, we just kind of talk about what we liked about the film we, we sometimes dive into subtext and in our own fan theories or whatever but in this this is the first time it was kind of pleasant to be like well how odd I, it was yeah. fun to see that yeah. for the first time actually yeah. but anyway now now you guys can benefit from my wisdom when you watch this movie tonight. So Conan's agreed and he and uh, and they're on the, the trek and the journey and this is going to be a little bit of a coming of age film for Jenna. But back when we got off track here, the comedy bit that I thought was kind of funny in this moment was was Jenna's like, well when Bombada says, you should know how handsome Conan is. You should know, you, I don't know, you, you should know for yourself how handsome Conan is. And she's like, I don't really have anything, I don't have any experiences. The only man I've ever seen is you and 
and, and and Wilt Chamberlain kind of gives a, a like a, a double take because you know he's his vanity has been injured a little bit. Well, it's almost like an in joke, yeah, yeah, you know, with because it's it's Wilt Chamberlain. That's right, that's right. And and she's like, oh, I don't mean to say. And she kind of backtracks a little bit to to spare his pride a little bit and decides that Conan's handsome. But I thought that was a nice little scene. I thought it was a nice little moment to see how new she is to being out in the world for real. Yeah, and she's supposed to be in charge of the journey. She's compelled. They don't know how to get to the to the wizard's tower. This is a prophetic journey she's on and she's she's going to follow her instincts and the, the guiding hand of whatever magics exist in this world to complete the tasks. But as they're going to do this, Conan just veers off course and they have their first little tussle about her authority and, and she says, well, we got to go this way. I'm in charge. And he's like, nope, we've got we to go this way because we're dealing first. with the wizard and I need some help. And here we find uh, poor Mako has been captured by cannibals, it looks like. They're about to eat him and they, they rescue him. This is another fight not terribly inspired played more for comedy than anything else there's yeah. some comedy impacts that happen that'll go farther with some members uh, some people who watch it than others I didn't mind this scene but what I really liked about it was after they free Mako Conan says I need you he doesn't really say much and Mako just says I, uh, the wizard says I'm yours they they give him a first name in this movie it's Akiro I like how that friendship there's no there's no missing a beat the wizard is just well wherever Conan goes I'll go and oh I, yeah I, I like that yeah. I like that now there is some there's some um, Malik comedy Malik comedy here uh, actually they, they except for the, the the minimal voiceover work that he does they, they ruin Mako in this film to me they, they they take him in fact I would compare it to what the Indiana Jones films did to Marcus Brody oh Raiders of the Lost Ark to Indiana Jones and the Last Crusade yes. taking a, a very serious character and and turning them into kind of a ridiculous caricature yeah I actually uh, I mean I like his character but uh it would have been better if the cannibals had just eaten him because <laughs> he is embarrassing in this movie. It's not his fault. They make decisions about his character and to use his character for comic relief in ways that is at that is cringeworthy to me. Okay, okay. Um, now there's some things that I now I like some things that his character does in this film, uh, which we'll get to later on. I don't think there's anything too cringeworthy here that he does. Um, no, no. Well, but here, I mean, we're almost back to the first film with the economy of dialogue. Yeah. I know ours, as you said, and now you know we're off and running again. Now. I, the complaint I have about this film is I would have liked for them to have given him even more to do. He's sort of useless later on in the wizard fight. Yeah. You know, he's I almost like Gandalf. Oh. He's fucked off down the road. Oh. But no, Yeah, that, we'll get to that. That, 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 that would have been a moment uh, where they, they could have used him. Now, now, there are two wizards in this movie that, that he that, that he could potentially deal with, uh, and we'll get to both of them in a bit, but but I would have liked to, for them to have given him more to do. And they just don't give him a lot to do. He's, he's such a good character from the first film that I mean, there's so much story potential for him that I would have liked to have seen more out of out of that character. Well, no, I, I I totally agree. I just I just I don't think Fleischer knows how to use him. Yeah. God, we'll get to the scenes later. Yeah. Actually, some of my least favorite moments in the movie uh, will involve him, but we'll get to that. Okay. And then they continue on their journey. All the while, there is a group of men in black, probably bad guys, following them. <laughs> uh, right. And this is a we'll get to them when they finally strike later on. I. I there's a there are a component of the film that doesn't make a lot of sense I don't think for Tamaris's scheme but more about that later our characters are traveling through cities they come they they come across upon Zula fairly quickly don't they after after yes. picking up Mako this is a scene I like I think it has a lot of problems not a lot but a, a few as they're traveling through this town they they come upon a woman God now that I think about this this could have been such a wonderful thing they come across uh, a woman chained or tethered.
tethered to a big stone with a staff trying to fight off these people who are harassing her with weapons. And Jenna is mortified by this. And she she wants to know what's going on. And they find out that this this woman, uh, the Zula's tribe has raided the village and her the rest of her people, the rest of her party were killed and she's left and they're going to have some sport with her. They aren't having very successful sport with her yet. No, no. She is uh, injuring them all quite well. And in fact, Grace Jones accidentally did injure a couple of stuntmen in these scenes. Okay. Yeah. yeah. Jenna is in charge of the party and she's like, Bombada, do something. And Bombada's like, Dave should be hanged. That's not what they're doing. <laughs> <laughs> right. they're, they're torturing her bombada but these are small details and she's she says something to conan about it and uh and they don't do enough with this relationship between conan and zula but like there's a clear kinship between these two in their status as warriors when he finds her she's in a fighting pit and that's sort of where he cut his teeth and so like yeah i mean he likes her in this movie it's very clear that he likes her and thinks she's a very cool character very admirable but i mean there's nobody romantically in in conan's eyes except for the ghost woman that he looks at on the altars sometimes but but he rides up and frees her from the tether so that she can fight all he does that's all he does. well he he, he comedically yeah. knocks some people heads together before he leaves which is a comedy beat that doesn't really work but no. I just thought that there was a there was a kinship there that they could have explored between these two characters you know uh, that that they they, that they they don't explore and then he rides off and leaves her to fend for herself which she does fine and she and I, I I thought her everything that happens with Zula's character after that I thought I thought was quite fun as she beats the guys up and then uh, the the people who are tormenting her are now being tormented by her and she she sort of glories in it as she leaves you know like yeah. she's laid waste to some of these people and now she's now she's kind of taking her time a little bit before she leaves scaring them and I, I like that Grace Jones is a very she's quite a physical and fun actor in this movie what did you think of this bit yeah no I I, I think I agree with everything you just said I did not like the comedy beats you know I mean, that was all kind of dumb and I, I think that you're right that there's the seeds of a very impactful moment that is kind of a callback to the first movie yeah oh. and the fact that Conan got you know you say Conan got to start in the fighting pit and the, you know to complete that thought is you got to start in the fighting pit as a slave to other people yeah, yeah, yeah. and so what he does but he, he doesn't i mean okay yeah he does guys together but he frees her and lets her do her thing yeah he just he gives her the freedom to rescue herself yeah which is all he ever really wanted now i'm i'm reading all that into this into this scene because really i i don't think this movie really lands all of that point a and, to point b um, that's all we just need to get her on yeah. the yeah, yeah. get her into the party you know this is magnificent seven yeah. right yeah so then she she starts following the crew clearly she wants to join up with this group it's strange that she knows who conan is she wants to talk to him when will will chamberlain rides to meet her sorry bombada rides to meet her to send her on her way and she wants to talk to conan i don't know that she ever heard his name in the village mm. but whatever bombada's heart is like a heart is give, giving her a hard no. You better move along. And she rides away and then quickly rides back and attacks Bombada. And this is sort of necessary, I guess, stuff that happens in these kinds of movies. The, there's always some kind of, there's a little quarrel between heroes and then it'll be quashed and the new person will join the crew. Boilerplate, it could have done something different, but again, point A to point B, that's all this movie really cares about. Yeah, well, I mean, they also could have added Elmer Bernstein's uh, Magnificent Seven score after this moment and have them hold up a finger. Well, there's one more and that'd be <laughs> 
because actually this, if you recall, I mean, also from the Seven Samurai, but this whole thing of, you know, stop following us, yeah. but she's going to prove herself. That's, that's oh, from both of those movies. Absolutely. Absolutely. Action films have all just been one long continuation of the Magnificent Seven, apparently. <laughs> and so she ends up joining the crew and now the, now they can really get off on their adventure. And I, and pretty quickly thereafter there, they, they arrive at the, the Citadel of the Wizard, don't they? Yeah, and, and actually, um, when they arrive, and, and then, you know, so we've got this lake, and we've got this, is it an ice castle? It, it's very much in the distance. It's surrounded yeah. by mist and so forth. It's a nice but matte painting. The, the thought that it, yeah, yeah, which the first film would not have done, by the way. But but one of the things that, that occurred to me when that happens, oh, we're already, uh, you know, our quest is at an end, and you know, it, and we're like thirty minutes in, and, and um, but 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 you know, I it was that moment that, that that I did say, well, you know, the point A to point B. I mean, there is a, a rhythm to it. Yeah, it's not jarring. Yeah. I didn't think. I didn't think our characters have yeah. some nice conversations with one another. I suppose uh, on the way, it, it, it just all could have been done better. Absolutely, absolutely. Yeah. He said nothing yeah. is bad per se, but you just kind of left. Right. Oh, we're here, okay, and and all the while, there's always there'll be some vignette with the our heroes and then it'll cut to dun 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 and the bad guys <laughs> riding after them you know which <laughs> Fletcher, we got it the first couple times. We know they're being followed by unsubtle people. But the wizard, we, we I think after they get there to the wizard's castle, they decide to wait before going to the castle, much to Jenna's dismay. She wants to go right now. And then there's another moment where Conan basically kind of takes leadership role and is like, no, we'll go in the morning. He says, but, I'm the leader. And he says, well, you can be a leader in the morning. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and, and there's certainly some sense uh, 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 in Conan's plan. You want to approach a icy citadel in the middle of a lake when you're at your best, not after you've been. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And though we get some vignettes of the wizard, I don't know if he speaks yet. Did you recognize the the this bad wizard, Thoth Amon? I did not, but I did not, but I looked it up. Okay, so uh, so, I, so I know who he is. Yeah. You know who he is. Well, Jason, since it's from your favorite movie that I know who he is, tell us tell us a little bit about Pat Roth. I think is his name. Uh, um, I, I would have thought that looks like Roach to me. Oh, Pat Roach. Sorry, Pat. Roach. Well, uh, Pat Roach is famous for being kind of uh, heavy in in a lot of famous movies. He is in Raiders of the Lost Ark. Uh, he's the he's the guy who um, I believe is the guy that gets cut up in the uh, yes. in the in the rotor of the plane after beating um, Indy to a pulp. After uh, yeah, after beating Indy to, Indy to a pulp. He, he's also in Clash of the Titans, by the way. I didn't realize that. Uh, but and and he is also um, a a, uh, a guy that gives Sean Connery a lot of problems and never say never again okay okay yeah so 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 uh he, he he's he's often uh makes appearances as a, as a as a strong guy yeah well he was a big guy he was a former professional wrestler in britain i i found out today a good a good person to put up against arnold another big big actor to be as imposing yeah. as, as as arnold i hadn't thought about this until today but i was like wondering why he wasn't speaking with a german accent when i was watching the movie because because i know him so much from the indiana jones movies and i don't think he speaks in that movie he just does this thing with his and, hand, like, come on down. You no, know, he, he speaks German. He's like, come down. Like, he, you know, he, he, oh, does he? Uh, oh, okay. Hey, I did, I did, I did. But yeah. I just, I just always, I just always thought he was a, a, a German actor. But he leaves his citadel. This film, this effect doesn't quite work. I forgive it because it's 84. But he turns into to mist, uh, a misty bird and leaves the citadel and goes yeah. and collects Jenna and then brings her back. And I mean, nothing really happens here. Some of the people feel his presence. It's like I said, it's not badly done, but it's just pretty 
perfunctory, it seems. Arnold uh, Conan well, grabs his sword. The first film would not have. Does Conan grab his sword? The way I remember it, everyone wakes up later, like much later. Well, well, like, well, oh, she's gone. Yeah. When 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 the when the mist bird lands, Conan's asleep, but he grabs his sword as if some instinct is firing in his oh, brain okay. that there's danger. And Wilt Chamberlain thinks, "Got a rebound. Got a." Re-. He doesn't wake up though. <laughs> and then the next scene, we see the Jenna being carried in the talons of the smoke bird cloud bird i don't know but and then he lays her down i don't know what this guy's end game is i like that that's a bit of a mystery but like he tells her to sleep for tomorrow you'll be the first person in a thousand years to touch the stone now that's the other thing that we've got established earlier only she can touch these magical items anybody else who touches them is in for a world of hurt yeah and you know and you know, actually um i i probably even liked the effects here better than than you're describing i i think it i mean it's clearly animated but yeah. i think it works fine it, it, no, it doesn't I don't hate it. It doesn't throw, yeah, it doesn't throw me out of the movie at all. No, no, I, I don't know. It doesn't throw me out of the movie either. But I do recognize it as an effect from an earlier time that it's just, yeah. it just registers. It doesn't kick me out of the movie. It's just something that I noticed. And some audience members who are born uh, at a later time than than the blessed times we were born in <laughs> may may have an issue or two because of their, their small window of experience in the world. And I'm just giving them a little warning. This is an effect you might notice. Carry on and watch the rest of the movie but they all wake up much later the 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 instinct to grab the hilt of his sword was not really sufficient conan you you drop the ball everybody dropped the ball especially akira the wizard who should have been should have been kind of all over this like instead of like casting wards or doing some kind of spell that might have protected them a little bit he went right off to sleep nobody even set a watch i just thought about this right now like if i'm on the very edge of my enemy's territory i might set a watch yeah but instead everybody went to sleep bad tradecraft Conan, bad tradecraft. But uh, they all pile on to the to this little boat that's hand, handily right there. After kind of an embarrassing wizard moment where Conan says, "Where she's gone, where'd they take her? Mako does a little wizard sound and then points to the tower. And I don't mind this as much as you seem to mind this, but uh, I can see yeah. why it bothers him. But, but to me, it's sort of a pointless thing to do anyway. You guys know where she's at. Magical ice <laughs> on the lake. But go on, tell us tell us what why this bothers you so much. Uh, well, I just think that... And, and and I think this is Richard Fleischer's um, direction. Whenever Mako has a have to do something magical, he does this really embarrassing, these just weird gestures. And, and that all could have been done in a much more simplistic wave of the hand or something that would not be so distracting. I don't want to say that it comes out as a ethnic caricature, because yeah. I, I, I didn't see that, yeah. but it was pretty close to something like that. Uh, uh, maybe just a caricature of a wizard. Whenever that happens in the movie, to me, it's... It's, it's just really embarrassing. And then, oh, okay, so they're at the ice palace. So what So what do we need to do? We need to get into a boat in front of a process screen yes. and, and yes. sail to, to the castle. Something else that the first film would not have done. No, it would not have done. Yeah, you talked about the first film and how everything was grounded. Yep. And, uh, and, and, and that was disappointing to me because actually this film does have great location shooting. Yes. And that was a little lazy. That was a little lazy to me. I, I, it, it, it was stood out. How hard would it have been to have gotten some coverage from other boats, you know, and yeah. have them actually, even if you're just dragging them with another boat, you could have created that without putting them in front of a screen. And it's a, it's yeah. a glaring, it's I, a glaring effect. You immediately realize, oh, they're on a studio. They're in a studio doing the shot. Yeah. And, yeah. and, and, and look, and, and, and folks, we haven't talked yet about the production design. I, I kind of want to save that because I, there's a lot of good things to say, but that was kind of, a, that was kind of mystifying to me that they, they chose to do that. Yeah. A couple extra boat 
shots, you know, a helicopter shot. I don't know. There's ways you guys could have done that shot without making me annoyed by the, the shifting outline of their bodies on a green screen or blue screen, right? Yeah. So they get to the castle and they have to do some swimming. By the way, I always hold my breath in this scene when Arnold Schwarzenegger dives into the water to go through the secret tunnel just to see if I could have been part of their crew. Do I, will I make it? Uh, I'm watching this movie yeah. from 1984 and every time Arnold dives in, I go, <gasps> just to see if I... I survived. I would have. I would have been fine on this adventure when I was. When I first saw this, I would. I would have had to stay behind. Uh, uh, as Malik almost did. In, yes. Yes. In one of those. Uh, uh, in in his first run yeah. through of this joke, maybe I should stay behind. Which he does yeah. that in this scene. This is the first time he'll do it two or three more times in this movie. Um, yeah. Yeah. And uh, once was enough. And more cure either. No. No. <laughs> yeah. Uh, yeah. There's no way clearly into the castle. And the wizard discovers with his. Magic grumbling <laughs> that 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 there's a there's a tunnel under the water under the under the through the castle. They swim through it and they emerge and they each try and do a little bit as they dive in. Except for Conan, he just dives in like you would, and everybody else tries to do a little character bit as they dive in. I notice. I don't know if they're trying to do comedic things or what they're trying to do, but and then they 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 climb up to the top of the, this ice castle. And I thought this effect was pretty good. There's this large tower within the stone tower within the ice castle castle that is this like this epically long staircase that doesn't have a rail I, as a person who kind of has a, a bit of a fear of heights I would have probably had to wait at the bottom you know I'm not going up until OSHA comes oh. here until OSHA comes in here and puts in a guardrail I thought it was a neat scene as they're as they're making their way we get a we get a cut a cut back to the wizard who seems to be seeing this through his little viewfinder he's got like a Skeletor see all like Skeletor yeah. guys I don't know if I'm going to make a reference to Skeletor here and He-Man Skeletor used to have this little dome that he could look into and see anything that was happening in Eterna, ex Eternia, except that Prince Adam was He-Man, but he could see everything. <laughs> <laughs> and and it seems like these, these these bad wizards all have the same kind of they shop at the same place because this wizard has a seize all and he sees Conan and the guys come and he's like come Conan it will do you no good but come anyway now apparently this the character that Pat uh, Roach plays scared the hell out of Jen uh, sorry uh, what's her name uh, Olivia De Abo she was really frightened of this Olivia. guy she was very intimidated by okay. I mean I think that if you're she's fifth she, the the actress was 15 when she made this movie and so this guy and all of his crazy yeah. makeup you know might have been intimidating to a 15 year old kid but she claimed to be quite yeah. frightened of him yeah. so they arrive they see the stone that that, that, that Jenna's gonna have to get and Conan goes into the room and then as he enters a, sh a pane of smoky glass drops behind him and this is where he he has to fight the wizard because again Akiro as I said in the last podcast he's sort of a do-it-yourself wizard and I, I, I think that there's some holes in his craft and because they blunder into all yes. of the magical traps that, that that you could blunder into, and and he's useless in this yeah. fight with uh, Conan. As Conan enters the room and he's trapped by himself, he's in this kind of circular room, and all it's covered in curtains, and they all raise up, and he finds that he's in a room full of mirrors. Yeah, there's an image of a wizard in a red cloak in all of these mirrors, and then the image emerges from the mirrors and surrounds Conan. There's a lot of posing by Conan in this scene as he's as these wizards are surrounding him. And I want to say a couple 
couple things about this. The director thought one of the biggest mistakes of the first film was that Arnold Schwarzenegger wore far too many clothes in that film. And his goal was to see that Arnold was just shown off the whole time. And in fact, Arnold Schwarzenegger put on like five extra kilograms of, of weight for the film. And okay, okay. when he started doing this movie, if you, if you look closely at this film, he looks a lot different in this movie than he did in the last one. In the last one, he looks very yeah. muscular, but he doesn't look as defined. He looks like a, a person mm-hmm. maybe of, of an older time who was quite who was quite strong but you know wasn't worried about every calorie and showing off every muscle by keeping the fat down low. Arnold had just won his final Mr. Olympia before shooting this film so he was in some of the best shape of his life when he got on the set of this film and so he was he looks a lot more ripped in this movie than he did in the in the previous film and, and the, the director just wanted to show that off. Most of this film is Arnold Schwarzenegger in very very short shorts and yeah. it makes some sense if, if you want to convey the power of, of Arnold's uh, physique, which sells some of the strength of Conan. Anyway, I just wanted to talk about that a little bit. Anyway, the 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 reflection wi- the, the reflection wizard consolidates into one image and he removes the hood from his head and the character is billed as the man-ape, but it doesn't look at all like a gorilla. It looks like some kind of crazy reptilian kind of creature. Conan yes. has to have a little fight with this and he doesn't do very well for a while. His sword doesn't work against the creature and uh, Conan is very much on the way to recreating the beating that Harrison Ford took in Raiders of the Lost Ark. And on the outside of this are his friends yelling and cheering and trying to get him to survive. And our wizard is useless in this scene. He tries to lift up the glass and to no avail. And what did you think of the scene, Jason? What what, what do you want to add to this? This scene's kind of symbolic of the whole movie for me. I'm kind of this way and that about it. I like the idea of it. I like the mirror. I like the mirrors. I liked how uh, the uh, Pat Roach's character looked, you know, in terms of being kind of this reptilian creature with the uh, the red hood and this kind of like I I liked the situation. I thought it was I thought it was okay. You know, it, it's not the central action moment of the of the film, but like a lot of other things in the movie, it's just not always executed real well. Yeah. I think they intended for this to be a very thrilling kind of suspenseful thing because what Conan discovers is that if he breaks the the mirrors because the mirrors are connected to Thothamon, the the, the 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 villain here, and so he begins to destroying the mirrors, which is wounding or even killing the wizard. And, and, and he knows that the wizard is behind one of these, cla- and, and Conan destroys all of them, coincidentally, except for the two, that one, his friends are hiding behind, and the other, the wizard is hiding behind. And he says, uh, you know, there's two left, and I, you know, you're behind one of them, wizard, and I, you know, he just needs to pick which one. Now, there's a problem here. Up to this point, Conan has just gone up to each mirror and broken it with his sword. All he has to do is do that. Yeah. And his friends are, no, 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 because because if he because apparently he's decided to just hurl his sword and impale the wizard. He doesn't have to do that. There's nope. no reason why he has to do that. No. But that's what he's, but, but for some reason he has to do that this time and put his friends in danger. Also, there's no reason why his friends who are horrified that he might break the wrong glass, yeah. that they can't just move back, yeah. right? Yeah, yeah. From the glass and, and they're just sitting there trying to wave him off. It wasn't like a wall uh, because, behind them, is it? Like they're not stuck in that room. Right, right. It's like, well, guys, just 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 move back. And then if he breaks it and sees that it's you guys, he'll be like, wave to you and then go break the one that's left. Yeah. It, it, it just logically, it, it failed to be suspenseful because none of it really made any sense. Yeah, it, yeah. it wasn't set up very well. It, it wasn't a bad idea, though. I actually, I like all of it. It's different enough from the rest of the movie that I don't think it's a bad scene. I just don't think, which is kind of, the, again, the, 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 the story of this movie, it just doesn't, doesn't really sell what it 
intends to sell in the scene. It doesn't doesn't quite make it happen. No, no, and and, and I agree with that. I agree with that. I the I, the, the scene was actually inspired by another film we've reviewed, which Enter the yes, Dragon. Yes, yes, I noticed that. Um, yeah. I'm I'm also, as you say, this way and that about it. The fight scene between Conan and Thoth Amon is really wooden. You know, yeah. they do a lot of professional wrestling style moves, and so maybe leaning into Pat Roach's history as a professional wrestler, but they get in these like fixed positions and it's just not dynamic in the way that like think back to the to the not climax fight in the orgy room between uh Conan and yeah. Thorgrim and, and Rexor. I mean that was an exciting fight, very fluid, very dynamic. It looked mm-hmm. looked like people really moving, right? But yeah, but there's a scene in the movie that, that does sort of throw me out of it. Like the body slam well, there's a and, and it's hit or miss in this scene because like Conan swings his sword and it doesn't work. I mean Thothamon just grabs it and throws it away right. and then runs up and in a very fluid, very fun kind of fight moment, body slams Conan. And that's a, that's a fun moment. Yeah. But then it goes into that like there's a there's a moment in a lot of professional wrestling where the one wrestler will get the other one in a in a not very sensible hold and and the 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 other the the wrestler this is being applied to will have to fight through it. The only thing that was missing here was that like Conan wasn't like calling for the crowd to give him their power by you know like <laughs> cheer me on guys. Let me hear you. Let me hear you make some noise. <laughs> But it's it just felt wooden. And then the scene that does throw me out of it is when Thothamon picks Conan up by the feet and spins him around. Oh, oh I, I blotted that out of my mind. <laughs> and, and it's a bad effect. And... <laughs> Jason's lost it. But he's clearly on some kind of device that allows him to, like he's on some kind of cable, it's some kind of wire work, and it just doesn't look good. And I don't know why Richard Fleischer didn't say, you know, we're just going to cut this part of the fight out. Oh, you know, I I made a mental note to bring that up. I I really do believe I blotted that out. (laughs) That was embarrassing. Well, that that was, oh. Yes, yes. Conan chooses wisely, and he hurls the sword in the right direction, even though his choice of actions doesn't really follow from the logic of the scene. Did they try to break the window from the other side? Did, did Bombada the stilt swing his mace at that glass? Not that I remember. Like, that was something else. Well, when Conan starts breaking all the glass, why didn't they try to break the glass from their side? <laughs> that would have been what I tried to do. Like, if you're... Yeah. Okay, okay, Akira, your your wizardry has failed us yet again. Bombada, <laughs> take over. But none of them even try that. But it's clear that it can happen because right after <laughs> Conan kills the... Or not didn't kill the guy, he throws the sword and the guy emerges and pulls the sword out of himself and walks up to the crystal and touches it, winks out of existence because it's a it's a dangerous crystal. Bombada immediately breaks the glass. That's right. Did that work before? Was that just not, was that magically unbreakable a moment ago? Is it, what's going on? Yeah. So then as Conan's figuring out this, 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 the way to beat Thothamon, every time he breaks the glass it, it, it helps to bring Jenna out of the trance that she's in. Yeah. And she finally wakes up and comes over and picks up the, the, the crystal MacGuffin so they can go get the horn MacGuffin and and everybody's pretty happy and then the whole castle starts to collapse and they have to make a hasty retreat. They don't have to swim again though, I notice. Right. Oh yeah, good point. Yeah, maybe there was a maybe there was a there was a special Thothamon door that they could use. <laughs> but they make it out. Now, it seems like the special effects team was really proud of the way they did the cold the 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 steamy breath stuff. Yeah. So I mention it here since they since it's 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 in everything that I read about the movie. They put little pieces of dry ice in a cage, a little mm-hmm. kind of cage that the actors could put in their mouth so that they could they could get uh, to uh, 
help with the illusion that they were in a cold place. Okay. Kind of a pointless thing to do as far as I'm concerned, you know? Yeah. Because you barely notice it and they don't really ever act cold. Nobody shivers after they get out of the water. Right. Castle collapses and then that's that. Then they move on. And then they almost get, they get attacked right away by the Tamaris's Tem- Tem- people. Yeah. And this is where Sven Ol Thorson makes his return to the Conan franchise by, he's the leader of this group. He also is in, he's also a member of, of the group that attacks Conan initially at the beginning of the movie. I've seen him in so many movies, I can recognize his face and his forearms pretty well, even when they're clad in a bunch of armor and stuff. And this is probably, well, no, I don't, I take that back. I was going to say it's the best fight of the movie, but it's not. But there are a lot of good fighting. There's a lot of good fighting moments in this film. Everybody gets to do some fun stuff, except for Wilt Chamberlain. He stays back because <laughs> they seem to be kind of hoping that, that that they kill Conan here. Yeah, which I don't remember that being part of the plan. No, I, I, I it doesn't make sense because it's they've hired Conan to get her to all of the places that she needs to go because they think he's the guy who's and, best. And to... she's not where she needs to go yet. No, so why are these people attacking? Now, later on, we're going to see the, they're going to have a conflict with the wizards when they get the horn MacGuffin. And I think that a better script might have had the people who keep the scrolls of Skelos and who want to bring the, the, the Dagoth back to life, the priests of that god. I think it would have been neat to have them have a lot of tension between that group and Tamaris, the queen. Like yeah. maybe they're, maybe they're, their goals were not aligned like they pretended maybe they were just right. using each other and wouldn't it have been neat if that group that was following Conan was actually these priests trying to wrest control of the girl mm-hmm. and the MacGuffins so they could use Dagoth for their own high holy prince their own holy purposes and keep it out of the hands of Tamaris they're all wrong let's say they're all wrong because they're all they haven't paid attention to what's actually in the scrolls of Skelos they've been cherry picking like a lot of theologians do but that's why I said earlier that this this attack doesn't fit with the logic of Tamaris's plan. No, it doesn't. It doesn't at all. Because, okay, so you needed Conan to get her to this point mm-hmm. to fight a wizard? Yeah. But, I mean, I mean, actually, Conan's not necessarily the, the, the person that you want to fight a wizard. And if you need him to fight a wizard, you would certainly need him to fight almost anybody else. Yeah, yeah. So why not? And, and you've already given, we know this, Bombata the, the mission to kill him when the time comes. Yeah. Here's, here's the other thing, too. Like, now, maybe this actually would have been a good time to attack Conan because they don't need him anymore with the rest of the plot because they already control the temple they're going to. The high priest. So maybe I misheard, but I thought that he was supposed to kill Conan at the place where they get the horn. Yes. And so like, but they don't need him to get the horn because like I said, they have the priests and Tamaris are in league. So I I didn't, as I was watching it this time, I didn't quite understand why that happened. Like they should have explained that in some other way. Like maybe these, these guards jumped the gun or like I said, it would have been a neat thing to have the con- a conflict a, a subtle intrigue between the priests and and tamaris the the battle goes as you expect it to with conan I mean, he's already beat these guys asses before and now he's got zula with him and the kidney stabber he's pretty good at stabbing people in the kidney he kills a lot of people in this malik actually kills quite a few people in this battle here and then conan has a hero fight with uh the leader of that group and it's a pretty good fight uh, i always like it i really like the location that they fight at it feels like you know it's not a studio it's a real place again kind of a nice juxtaposition with the process shooting that they did earlier in front of green screen or blue screen and uh, practical effects all really nice now Jason used to do a lot of like uh, medieval martial arts and I always think of you when I'm watching these these fight scenes because this film more than the last film makes a mistake that I see in a lot of movie sword fighting and did you recognize that error? No no footwork at all? Not that so much but swinging at each other's swords rather than at each other. Yeah which is what happens when you're not using 
any kind of footwork at all. Gotcha. Because gotcha. yeah, no, I, I I noticed that. I'm I, I couldn't remember which which scenes it was in. Maybe maybe this one. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, I did notice that in this movie a lot. Yeah. And so one of the things that makes sword fighting I think intriguing to me when I see it on film is you don't need to block if somebody's not swinging at you. There's no reason to swing and clash swords unless that sword is coming at the target. A film that doesn't make this mistake that you should watch if you want to see like good movie sword fighting. It's the uh, Orlando Bloom, Liam Neeson fighting for Jerusalem. Oh, uh, Kingdom of Heaven. Kingdom of Heaven. That is some excellent sword fighting in that movie where people swing at the targets and the blocks make a lot of sense. They're not just clashing swords. That's a great movie to see for that. But this film kind of flubs that here. It, it does. A, it definitely does. It's quite a dynamic fight scene. It's it, if, you, if you can look past that, it's still quite fun. But I don't think that the last movie made that mistake as much. The first Conan. I, yeah, I, no, I agree. I noticed it in this one. I didn't notice it in the previous one. Um, but, uh, yeah, I mean, there were several moments where I was like, well, you're not really trying to get out of the way. You're just, you know, you, uh, you know, luckily he's only swinging at your sword so you don't have to get out of the way. Yes, yes, yes. Yeah. And so they win and then we get our comedy vignette after the sword fight. This is where they're applying the lotions to each other and Conan gets drunk. I kind of like Conan drunk, I'll be honest. I don't think Jason, I don't think that works for Jason as much. I didn't like his flubbing of the language, but I liked it when Jenna would fill in words for him. There's a, there's a funny scene where Jenna's asking what kind of woman Valeria was because she's very curious. I, 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 he's very good at being drunk, and I like that. Now yell if it hurts. I suppose nothing hurts you. Only pain. After we return to Shadizar, what will you do? I'll find my kingdom and a queen to sit beside me. What kingdom? The promise. I was kingdomed. No. <laughs> the kingdom I was promised. What queen? Valeria. 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 What is she like? This Valeria. Do you see this woman over there? Zula. Valeria's like her. She doesn't look like her. But she has the same spirit. The same, the same, uh... Strength. Strength. But enter, enter Malik. Is he a comedy genius in the scene, Jason? He's not. A, he's not a comedy genius in any scene. No, no, no. But you'll uh, have to. Ha you'll actually have to remind me what he does this time. Well, Akira uh, seems to be good at making solves and bombs for wounds, and uh. that sort of that sort of goes in gets in line with me thinking that he's like a do-it-yourself wizard. He's sort of learned this on the fly, but he's got some good wound care that he knows how to do, and he gives him <sighs> to Malik. I remember now. And uh, yeah, Jason just rolled his eyes, and Malik takes a big hunk of this cream over to uh, Zula, who's got a cut on her inner thigh, and Malik comedically tries to apply <laughs> this cream in a sexually comedic way. I, I guess he imagines he's being seductive, but but Zula sees through his his, his uh, attempts at both wound care and comedy and sends him on his way. And he has some like little comedy lines as he leaves, too, that don't work very well. Yeah. But yeah, it's 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 not a good scene. It's uh, A, it's, it's, it's uh, sort of turning... Uh, sexual harassment into comedy. <laughs> 
it, it especially would not work. It does not work today. Yeah. No doubt about that. But actually, the only thing I like about, I mean, okay, I'll, I'll grant that Schwarzenegger acts drunk well. And the only thing really about this scene that I like, though, is actually I do kind of like the whole Princess Jenna kind, you know, as this very, very young princess discovering men for the first time. She really likes Conan. I, you know, he, he's a good guy. Uh, he, he saved her. He saved other people. He cares about other people. He's demonstrated that. I mean, he saved Zula. Yeah. He didn't have to. And she's she's just intrigued by him. And I think, that, and I think you know, I, I like that. I like I like kind of their playing back and forth. And you know, and and, and it does. It is kind of important for the for the end. Yeah. But for the most part, except for that, I, I actually could have done without any of that. Now, what? Did, yeah. So the, so there's a lot of bad comedy. What did you think of the? So after Conan explains to her to Jenna Valeria's qualities, what did you think of the interaction between Jenna and Zula after that? Because Jenna immediately goes to Zula to try to get some wisdom from her. And to, and to learn how to be a warrior, right? Something like that. I, I, I liked that little interaction between her and Zula. Not not so much, there'll be some comedy bits where she'll start <laughs> trying to teach Jenna how to use the staff, but I liked that, that Jenna was captivated by Zula. I, I, I liked that part. But then, yeah. of course, uh, Conan had to drunkenly interfere and complain about the fact that, you know, that using the toothpick or what yeah. I still I mean I I I agree with that I mean yeah. that would make sense that, that she would look to this female warrior who she's never seen one before yeah, hey yeah. maybe I can do that yeah and that, and that Zula is quite willing to help her I, I liked that part of it but it was it was all ruined it was now you know as I as I'm looking back as I'm thinking back to that scene it might have been better to just let Zula and Jenna have a moment and leave it there yeah. you no, can I, I agree I agree I, that's what I expected. Yeah, yeah. When when Conan shows up again, I'm like him again. Yeah, <laughs> like, <laughs> we got the drunk shtick, and and his drunk shtick will also involve the the comedy stylings of Malik again, um, because yeah. he accidentally hits Malik with the sword. Can we move. Can, can we move on from the scene? We, we can move on. From the scene. <laughs> this is basically the scene from Temple of Doom where uh, what's your name was running around the the camp screaming while yes, while short round and Indy played cards. <laughs> Jason's got. All right, we'll have no more of that. No long exposition, no long explanation. From there, oh, sorry. No, that was right. And so from there, we move pretty quickly to the uh, to the end of the second act and maybe the beginning of the third. And that, that takes us to the Temple of Dagoth, to the place where they're going to get the horn, the MacGuffin. There's some there's some conversations, more Zulu Jenna interactions, like how do you get a man and yada, yada, yada. But audience see that for, for more of that. It's I think their interactions are okay, but there's more Malik comedy when when he tries to explain the birds and the bees to, to uh, Jenna because... Because uh, I won't go into it. It's not. It's not worth going into. They go to the place where the horn is. I don't know how they know that. Well, Jenna's just being led, and she she has to take the crystal that they got from the from the wizard, the bad wizard, put it in a MacGuffin holder, and that will open up a final trial for them to get to, or for her to get to, because she's got to pick up the the horn of Dagoth. While that's going on, Akira is reading the scrolls of Skelos, which are on a wall in this in this room, and he is not reading. Collectively, about what will happen if they reanimate this god, and what he reads is that basically, once this this dreaming god is activated, reawakened, it's just going to wreak havoc on the world. Mm -hmm. It's got its own business, and it has no. It doesn't look like, according to the scrolls of Skelos, that the priests of Skelos seem to be neglecting this part of the message, the Gospels of Skelos. It can't be controlled. And Akira tries to tell Conan about this as as Jenna's getting the horn, but Conan doesn't really want to hear it. And Akira says, "If you put the horn in that." 
in, in Dagoth, it's going to bring death to the world. And Conan will bring life to Valeria. And Akira says, but it, the, the girl has to be sacrificed. And Conan, that's actually, it seems like it might be a bridge too far because Conan doesn't say, so what? At that, He says, we'll see, we'll see. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, and so Janet gets the horn and everybody's pretty happy. We have some comedy of uh, Malik uh, trying to get jewels out of the, out of this, this, this room that they're getting the horn out of is just encrusted with jewels. I'm not sure why, but it's, it's encrusted with jewels. We see him put some of, he, he swallows a couple of them, I think, which is his shtick. Maybe he's just obsessed with, maybe he's got like some kind of like weird obsession and like some kind of psychological problem. But anyway, they're accosted by the priests of Skelos as they try and leave. They ask for the girl. Well, and then they, Conan tells everybody to go back to the, uh, the room where they got the, the horn. Mm-hmm. By the way, this is a great set, by the way. It is, yeah, absolutely. Uh, yeah. yeah, yeah. The production design in this movie is is right up there with the previous yes the previous film i i mean not the, not the effects but actually i i i adore the sets in this movie me, me as uh, well i was ve- i i was very conscious of the fact that they were all very creative there was a lot of work done in them that i felt that i was in a fantasy world yes 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 um yeah i like i um i mean i i'm not just being kind i think that that the film gets very high marks for that no i i agree now what it does now what they do with those sets because they go into the mouth of this statue, which is where they got the horn in the first place, and then they have to pull the mouth of the statue shut. And then we have the most embarrassing battle of wizards in the history of cinema, in which Akiro and the priest, the high priest of, of these people, battle each other to see who can get the mouth of the statue either closed or open. Yeah. And this is just the dumbest. <laughs> like Rich, Richard Fleischer had uh, is inexperience with fantasy, maybe, but his idea of what wiz- of, of the sounds and the motions that wizards make when they're casting spells is just ridiculous. Uh-huh. I I did not like. I mean, it's kind of done in comedy relief or comic relief, but I just I just thought it was really dumb that the, the kind of sorcery battle that takes place. Yeah, I, you know I, what I'm talking about. I, it didn't work. It didn't. It didn't. It didn't. I'm sorry. What I mean to say is, it didn't bother me as much as it bothered you for some reason. I there are some comedy elements to it, but I I don't know. I mean, this is why maybe I'm not a big director. I don't know what you would have done like how how would you have how would you have done a wizard battle like there's the, the wizard battles like uh oh from lord of the rings which i don't like very much uh the battle between gandalf and saruman which is basically a kung fu fight with, yeah. with a little bit of magic and it's not really magic but th- there, there were probably some effects they could have leaned on instead of just the growling at one another that these two wizards do but it didn't bother me as much as it clearly bothered you jason is jason is really not satisfied with um <laughs> They could have just cut it out. I, I I don't think it even serves any purpose. It's it's not exciting. It's not funny. Yep. It's uh it's it's embarrassing. Yep. Look and 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 I know that I, you know I've I've lingered on scenes that I don't like. Yeah. And it's and it's it might be giving the impression to people that I that I didn't enjoy this movie or even that I don't like this movie. It's not really true. I mean, actually, uh, a lot of what we've talked about is, is a lot of fun and even well done in places. I just uh, and it's not it's not not a pacing problem. There are just some some scenes in this movie that are just dumb well, and, that, that, I, that, that I could do without. Now, so, so so this wizard fight comes on the tail end of a pretty fun fight with uh, the Bombada and Conan and Zula have with the, the warriors of these priests because there is a there is a moment of theological debate between Akiro and the priest and Akiro's like, you guys can't control him, this guy's evil and the priest is like, no, we got this and, and, and Akiro's like, no, you don't and they're like, yeah, we do and at some point Conan... <laughs> 
<laughs> this scene always amuses me, has had quite enough of the talking. And he says, enough talk. And he pulls out his dagger and he just kills one of these priests for, I mean, and so that the priests actually were trying to have a, a kind of a peaceful way out of this fight. Because they even said, hey, if you just give us the girl, we'll, that'll be it. We'll go. And you guys can go too. And they might have meant it. Bombata still has not acted on Tamaris's order. When Jenna gets the horn, you put your sword in Conan's heart. He hasn't done it. Yeah, right. And it seems like here was a nice moment where they all could have left. Now, of course, Conan couldn't do that because he thought he had a reward coming. So anyway, but before that, so that, so that was a neat fight. Uh, a lot of cool stuff. They all have some nice little hero moments before going into the wizard battle. While the wizard battle is happening, the reason why the wizard battle, I think, is probably important to the plot is it because it, it acts as a, as a way for Bombada to get Jenna away from Conan and the rest of the people. And as they're leaving, yes, he, he, he creates a, a cave-in that stops them from following them out. And uh, Bombada and Bombada basically tricks Jenna into leaving Conan behind because she says, what about what about the others? And, and Bombada says, they're on the way, they're on the way. And they ride back to the castle. And Conan sees the tail end of, of Bombada causing this cave-in. And so he knows that they've been betrayed at that moment. He already suspected a little bit after the after the Queen's people attacked them. He didn't trust Bombada. Isn't it here also where he realizes that there's no Valeria either? Yeah. Isn't, yeah. isn't it here? Yes, yes, it is, yeah. yeah. So they make their way out. They kind of follow Bombada and uh, they follow the path they left, but they're long gone. Conan's like, well, we gotta, I guess I gotta go. He hops on his horse and he's getting ready to go and Malik says, where are you going? And he's like, well, they're gonna sacrifice Jenna. And I'm, basically he's not gonna allow that. And uh, this is kind of a nice moment because Malik is like, well, you can't undo, it's it's her destiny. We can't undo it. And Conan just like, well, you don't have to come. Like, <laughs> I, I, I like that Conan, I mean, he's not bitter when he says this either. He's just like, right. you don't have to. I mean, I'm going. Yeah. And Akira and, and Zula are like, well we'll, well, we'll we'll come with you. And then we get like a little speech from Malik about how he won't go. Another one, yeah. And then they ride away and then we get another, another, I liked a little bit of this scene, but but the the Malik stuff doesn't work. And, and we've already seen him do this gag before where, oh, because the bad guys are coming and then he and he's motivated to go join them you know uh, again oh yeah. you guys can't do this without me and actually he's right this time <laughs> Because right, because he knows the secret way into the castle. Jenna has returned to the castle. The queen feels like she's going to be victorious. She has her statue of God. She has a wizard with her, right? It's the it's the wizard that lost the fight with Akira. Yeah. Okay. There are moments in this movie that that do kind of feel a little Clash of the Titans to me. Okay. And 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 this is kind of this is kind of one of them. Okay. You know you do you know the Kraken and you have the princess tied to the cliff and you know the hero has to come to save the day and that's not a criticism. I love I. I love I love all that. Oh, I yeah, love yeah, yeah. I, Oh, so I'm going to front load here as well. I love this climax. I do too. I I I actually I actually like all this stuff from here on out. I, I like the effects, I like the idea. I I, I kind of like the ideas or, excuse me, not the I mean the idea of the scenes in these movies. I this yeah. this movie's not full of ideas, but yeah. but I think it's a good fantasy plot and I, and all this stuff in the castle. Let's stop and talk about the production design again. The castle is awesome. The, the yeah. The design of the castle is awesome. And not just the design, the cinematography choices where you have this raised platform where the queen comes out and we have this long shot yep. uh, and we see her way, way up there on the platform. It's actually underrated. Really spectacular stuff, I think. I, I use I used the phrase like hero fight a lot. This is a hero set. This this yeah. this low this this place that they built is as epic and as grand as you would want a fantasy film to be. Mm -hmm. It's a very believable place 
place that feels like a very real place, but you're and 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 its scale, the scale of it is what really sells it. I think. Yeah. Um, well, I mean, I actually, I mean, if we want to use a sports analogy, we can use basketball because Wilt's uh, in the movie where you know you shoot twenty percent from the field but hit the game the game winning shot. Yeah. Like I, I actually think that this scene does a lot of work to really move my opinion of this movie to a, a pretty positive yeah. territory. Yeah. Like I, I really, really like uh, the climax of this movie. Yes. Yes. The priest informs Tamaris that the moment they see the signs of life from the god, they have to kill Jenna. Or bad things will happen. Or bad things will happen. So that's 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 good to know if you're Tamaris. Yes. And so while that's going on, though, our heroes have made their way into the castle, and they're doing some pretty good sneaking, and they're beating up guards and, and ambushing them, waylaying them quite well. And they spill into a room, and Bombada sees Conan. And this is probably the best fight in the movie, I think. Yeah. They they both do a good, good job. Uh, at the same time, of course, Jenna is putting the horn uh, in into Dagus, uh, his forehead, and Tamaris is watching very closely uh, for any sign of life that stirs in the in the god. And oh, uh, which by the way, though, I I, I do want to say, in terms of tension, this worked really well for me because oh, you know, wow, the horns the horns in the statue, yep. and our heroes are still a mile away. Yep. Are, are they going to be in time? You know, you mentioned TV, movie, or television. Yep. Okay, if this is like a television. It, it, it's good television. Yes, yes, yes. Because yes. it's, you know, I mean, I mean, yeah, it might be as simple as the train's coming and the girl's tied up and she's laying on the tracks. But I actually found this all to be very tense. Yes, yes, no. And it goes back to, like, I, I've said workmanlike, and sometimes that's not, it's, it's not necessarily a complaint, but the editing is very good. Yes. And throughout the movie, actually, it knows when to move the, the, the scene from one area of a, a scene from one perspective to another, uh, from one scene to another. It's very, very professional. So it doesn't lose out here and, and part of the building of tension there is that editing and Conan it's pretty clear is not going to be able to get to the to the save the girl moment from Tamaris anyway right, right and right. he says to his people don't let them sacrifice Jenna and yeah. then we get like I think so he's having his fight with Bombada and we get a really nice hero moment for Zula but she runs out just as uh, Tamaris is about to drop the knife on poor Jenna's throat and she hurls her staff and makes the medal winning throw really with it because it oh yeah it sails right through Tamaris and and saves Jenna now I thought now I'll get your perspective on this let's say that the 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 priests of Skelos were right and you had to kill her at the moment there was some sign of life from Dagoth I think Tamaris missed the boat regardless it's already too late it's yeah it's it's it 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 moved long before she had even decided to swing the dagger you know I mean it had started Mm -hmm. to move before she was ready so so if that was the case they were already screwed if if it had to be the exact yeah. moment, uh, she she messed up. Uh, I see. I agree with you. I don't think that that. I don't think what you're saying is a criticism. I'm not oh, taking. No, it no, no. I, no, it's not. Because because it's kind of because it's kind of emblematic of the fact that Tamaris from from minute one has been working with powers that she doesn't understand. Yes. And actually, you know, we didn't say this. One of the few things about the movie that I think survived from the rated R cut. Or, yeah. You know, or not. It, well, it wasn't a cut, but you know like before they switched gears no. earlier in the movie when she goes up to the statue she almost subtly caresses it like yes. you know the, the, there's almost this erotic dream of what this god's going to be like when he comes alive yeah i i, I liked all that yeah, yeah i like all that and I, I i like everything that happens in this scene and i think it's okay that tamaris is just totally wrong yeah, yeah. and that even you know that she would have blown it even yeah. you know even without intervention because this is a bad idea <laughs> 
Yes, yes, yes. Well, even I, if it works well, it's a bad idea. And so I, I think I misspoke. The, the person who gets killed by Azula's javelin is the priest, as he was getting ready to do the cut, and he gets killed. Yeah. And then we see the big change in Dagoth. The, the statue starts to deform. It may have always been going to deform. If the scrolls of Skellis are right, it, it was always going to do this no matter what anybody did. But yeah. the creature starts to transform into a really hideous, fun, fun movie monster. It's a it, Sometimes these big guy in suit creature effects don't work i submit the entirety of the power rangers show <laughs> for evidence of that but this this suit effect and animatronic puppet work that goes with it is really really effective it's a horrifying oh, i agree yeah it looks imposing it moves pretty well it's shot really well it's shot in a way that is really just really brilliant because it always looks good and intimidating in this film and so uh, conan defeats bombada good fight you guys like that and then he has to go have a fight with the monster and he and Zula and Akiro go try and fight the the beast it is only this year that I learned that there was a guy I thought it was like a, a big thing like the uh the queen alien that was like a yeah. multiple use multiple people in a puppet suit or a job of the hut style puppet with several users yeah. but it wasn't until this year that I learned that it was Andre the giant in the Dagoth suit yeah I didn't know that I, that, that makes yeah. sense that makes sense because Andre the giant is another actor who would look really intimidating across from Arnold, you know, just in sheer size-wise. Right. But uh, Arnold goes, and Dagoth is at least woundable by the weapons that he has because he, he goes in and gives it some good strikes. Zula, Zula gives it some good strikes, but uh, the, the creature starts to bring the whole place down with his powers of weather. At some point, Akira, Akiru, Akiro tells Conan to rip the horn off, and that's kind of fun, too, because it's a really gross effect when he rips off the horn. And uh, it's, a, it's, a, it's a very, it, it looks great. Actually, yes. um, it's gross. It's uh, he struggles with it. Yeah, it's it's tense. It's it, it's it, it's an impactful moment. Yeah, like you know, what, you know what I said earlier. Look, if this scene had been bad, oh, I probably would not have. I probably oh. would not have liked the movie. The film hinges on this scene is, and it works. Yes. I have zero complaints about this climactic. And there's even a nice throwaway moment of acting that I really like after Conan rips the horn off and he runs back retreating from the beast to get his sword he looks at the horn and then throws it away in kind of horror you know and i thought yeah that's a, that's a good moment because that's what you would do yeah this is a horrific thing it just brought to life a crazy critter and he kind of threw it away and then he picked up his sword and then the creature is dying because the horn was its you know it's 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 important component and what i was noticing today was the way the film plays with lighting it's like a lightning storm it's like some kind of thunderstorm going on within this building but i have to imagine that in full light the suit probably didn't look as spectacular as it did in the film, but yeah. the approach to the lighting of this scene really helps sell the kind of chaos and drama of the climax. I was very conscious that I was smiling from ear to ear uh, during the final scene uh, because, look, and, and I kind of said this when we talked about Godzilla versus Kong. You know, I'm a sucker for movies likes. Yeah, you know, I you know I mentioned I mentioned in this podcast and in previous podcasts my my I, I adore the Sinbad film, the early ones, the one from the late seventies with Patrick. Wayne. I I love those movies. I I like when a movie. I, I love Clash of the Titans. I love when a movie can take me to this kind of very imaginative place and just 
just and just allow me to have fun with it. Yo. And I was I was delightfully surprised that this movie, for the most part, does do that. In spite of all the things that we've criticized, this, this movie does really in the in the final scene. I found myself really smiling and just enjoying everything that was happening. In the end, I was like, yeah, it's pretty good. Yeah, yeah. Uh, no, I, I agree. I agree. Uh, but this this scene at the end. Oh, we neglected to say something, but I'll say I'll, I'll get back to that in a minute. This scene really brings the whole package together nicely. Totally. And and, and papers over some of the errors that yes made, yes that made early on. But when Arnold finally gets free of Bombada, this is the thing we neglected to mention. He is rushing to the stage where Dagoth is changing, and dummy that Tamaris is, she thinks that by killing she she thinks still if she just kills Jenna, it'll all go back to being okay. And she's trying to drag Jenna to the altar to cut her throat. I'm guessing. And Conan comes running up, separates them, and a nice moment of comeuppance. Tamaris gets impaled on the horn of Dagoth, and all of her plans were for naught. And I, it's, a, it's a fun moment. It's a good moment. Yes, yes, I agree. Uh, but I just wanted to bring that up. It's a it's a nice little uh it's a nice little piece of filmmaking. Hero music to the to the final moments of the film. We see that Jenna is now ascended to the throne because her bitch mother is dead. <laughs> And she's she's picking out her new advisors for the court. And this scene is it's not bad. It, it's 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 all pretty nicely done. She elects all of the people who have surrounded Conan for the film to be yeah. her court, and which makes some sense. They've all proved themselves to be good at what she chooses them to do, at least. But one one of the things yeah. I do like about this scene is every time she calls one of them forward and offers them this position in her court, they look back to Conan yeah. for approval. Now he would have been fine whatever they did, but I think he. What I like about this moment is Conan realizes. I I think Conan realizes that they need that from him, that blessing to go. Yeah. We we established earlier that nobody has to go with him if they don't want to. When right. Malik, when Malik says, "I'm not going," is it fine? That's fine. Yeah. I, I'm not mad. That's fine. Go on your way. But these people have a, a. I like that they all consider him somebody they don't want to disappoint. Yes. You know, and and whose opinion and friendship they value. So I like that they all looked back to see if it was okay that they were breaking up their fellowship. Yeah. And and then she offers him, of course, kingship, and he's like, "Nah, nah, I got shit to do." lady well no what he says is is that he has his own kingdom that he's it's almost like you know i am interested in a kingdom but it'll be one of my choosing not this one. yeah yeah i can't remember what he says but it's something like that and it's, it's you know for this movie it's 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 more meaningful than you expect i think what he yeah. said she tries to and this is something i like too um she tries to seduce him or entice him with a kiss and she moves in to kiss him but she stops quickly because he doesn't he doesn't kiss her back his, his lips don't move and i thought he this I thought this yeah. was a really nice moment for Conan to... Uh, yeah. No, I know what you're saying because uh, so we have a close-up. She moves in to kiss him. He does not pull back, but he does not respond either. Yeah. So he does not He does not reject her, but he does not engage. Yes. And that, that just seems right. Yeah, I, because because as I think about it, and I, I'm only thinking about this now out loud, like if he had pulled back, he might have feared that he would hurt her feelings more profoundly, like, you know, by real... That's a, that's a, That seems like a real rejection, you know? The way he did it was a very kind way I think for him for Conan to be like no we're not we're not a thing you're a lovely person but yeah. you know this is I think this was Conan's way of saying you know you're a lovely person but we we are on separate paths and you know you, uh, well you are worthy yes you are worthy you you deserve this moment but this is just not where I'm supposed to be yeah and and he leaves uh but he, he has a moment where he kind of pauses a little bit because this is we get the sense I think in this moment where he stands at the base of her throne that he's duplicating 
implicated at least one other time. And I'm guessing maybe when he and Subutai parted ways, yeah. like you get the sense that even though he has, he is a guy who's committed to raising his own kingdom and doing his own thing, these kinds of partings are painful for him, but he's Sumerian. He won't cry. So yeah. Jenna cries yeah. for him. <laughs> Yeah, yeah. Well, but, but she, she cries, but in, but in her tears is realization. Yes, like yes. She's, she's not she's not broken up about it. No, no. There's this realization that yeah, it there's there, there was no place for us to go. Yeah, he, absolutely. I I know he's got to go do something else, and she's sad about it because of what she feels about him. Genuinely feels about him. Yeah. But it's right. It's yeah. Just, it's just how it has to be, and I, I like that. Yeah. Anything else you want to say before we move on to the Vardek? Basil Polidorus, a, a, a very similar. Similar score, but but uh, also one of the really solid virtues of the film. Yes. So I'm glad he came back. I am too. I am too. And now the verdict. All right, Moon and the Destroyer, uh, a movie that has uh, some criticism over the years. And going into it, watching it for the first time, I expected to see all those issues that the film has, and I did. But I also saw many of its virtues that deserve praise. The production design in this movie is absolutely flawless. I, I love the sets in this movie. I think I like the story. I think in the end, uh, in the final act of this movie, it brings everything together. A really a really good standard fantasy plot is really turned into a film that for the most part delivers. There are some problems. The comedy in the film almost universally falls flat. I would have preferred if they had had a hallucination scene for Wilt Chamberlain where for a moment, instead of seeing Conan, he saw Kareem Abdul-Jabbar. <laughs> that would have worked better for me than a lot of the things that did happen in this movie. But, uh, but really the cast acquitted themselves well uh, except for the comedy scenes. I think that Richard Fleischer directed the film well. I get there are a few scenes like the the, the Hall of Mirrors scene that probably could have been done better. So I, I I actually I'm gonna end up giving this film a mixed review, even though I enjoyed it and would watch it again. Uh, and I guess that this is one of those movies that I would I would give a qualified review. It has enough elements that don't work that if you don't like fantasy films, you probably won't like this movie. If you do like fantasy films, you may find many things to be annoyed at, but this film is not as bad as you might have heard. And in fact, it, it it actually is everything that you might want in a fantasy film, which at one time in the history of, of movies, we didn't get many of them. So this movie deserves a, a certain amount of credit and a certain amount of criticism. Uh, so I would give it a, a, a qualified recommendation to fantasy fans and for fans who, and, and for people who just love movies and who are willing to watch a fantasy movie, but would prefer a good one this one might not make the cut for you but i i had a lot of fun with yeah it. i i agree with everything jason just said for uh for me i've been watching this movie since it came out i saw this first as i said earlier i saw this before i saw the first conan film and it is for some reason one of those films that i will watch anytime i see it anytime it's on if i'm like flipping through the channels or historically when you would do such things as flip through channels if i would see it on i would watch it it's it's sort of like comfort food. There's, there's some stuff that's bad for you in it, but it tastes good. You know, it does have a it does have a lot of flaws, but it is perf the, the film 
filmmaking is professional enough and everybody does well enough in their roles that it becomes a very watchable piece of movie making. If you like the first Conan movie, I definitely will recommend that you watch this movie. It's not as flawless. If you want a flawless movie, this is definitely a film to avoid. But if you just want some fun to watch, you could watch this movie with your family, with your kids, I think. There is a bit of blood. Uh, Yeah, that's probably the only thing that that you would worry about. But I think it's a very fun movie that you don't have to think about a lot. It's just a great time if you check your brain at the door and you like these kinds of movies. If you don't like these kinds of movies, skip it. So so, um, in addition to your verdict, I I, want to ask you a question. I think this is an important question. Okay. I, I, I did read that uh, in the late 80s that there were a talks, maybe maybe even in the 90s, about making a sequel, a third Conan movie, that was going to discount this one. Yes, I've heard that too. I, so I, I think this might be the best compliment I can pay to this movie as a sequel. I see no reason to, to pass over this movie. No. You know, if they ever make another one, that would be great. There's no reason. Look, you don't have to refer to the events of this movie. No, no. You don't have to, but this this movie is, is a much more worthy sequel than people might say. I agree. I, I I completely agree. I don't think that I read that today and I don't think that you should discount Conan 2. Look, for all of its flaws, it is an infinitely better movie of the attempted reboot of a few years ago, which is okay. a, which is which a I'm dreadful not film. It's a dreadful film and it shouldn't have been given all the actors but it's it's awful. Um, okay. I hated just about every minute of it. And oh. uh, uh, and I'm a guy who's wired to like Conan films. Yeah. You know, yeah. So, so, uh, but no, I detested it. Yeah, this this comes off as gosh, this comes off as high art in comparison. Okay. Okay. Uh, yeah. So no, I agree. It shouldn't be discounted. I think actually Arnold Schwarzenegger is maybe the right age to do the King Conan story. I that thought had occurred, yeah. And it would be a great way to maybe pass the torch or do some fun things with an older Conan. Yeah, yeah. Uh, why not? And and, and I, I I tell you what, I think there's an appetite for it. I think yeah. if they did it, okay, here's a question for you. Say we're gonna do King Conan in five minutes maybe eight who directs it and why whoa see you put me on the spot that's a very good question okay audience uh i'm gonna cut in here neither jason nor i could come up with a decent answer to this on the spot so we're gonna table this discussion that meandered a bit for next week's episode so listen to find out who we decided should direct king conan and why before we dive into our next film uh, so endeth the... This isn't even a sidebar. I'll have to give it some thought. I mean, yeah. um, it would take a smaller director uh, who just has a taste for that kind of thing. I don't know who would be good at that at this point. I'll, I'll have to give it some thought, but I'm, I'm definitely interested. I, I think it would be a great idea. I, I see no reason not to do it. Yeah. No, I, I agree. I agree. All right, folks. That Anything else? Any, all right. Folks, that's it. Uh, share us on social media. Share us with your friends. Uh, share us on the Facebooks, the Twitters, whatevers. You guys know the drill. Like and subscribe on the various podcasters that are out there. Night. By crumb. By crumb. By crumb. Enough talk.